This is the Wealth Ability for CPAs show. Better clients, better practice, better life. Here's Tom Wheelwright. Welcome to the Wealth Ability Show for CPAs, where we're always discovering how to build better clients, a better practice, and a better life. Hi, this is Tom Wheelwright, your host and founder and CEO of the Wealth Ability Network. So one of the things that we do every day, whether we like it or not, is we sell. And some of us think of that as a four-letter word. Other of us, a few of us embrace it. And fortunately, we have two people who absolutely embrace it to talk to us about how to do it without being so salesy, how to be comfortable with sales, because as we're going to learn, some of the best salespeople in history have not been salespeople at all. You would never think of them as salespeople. They just happen to be really good at selling, and they just do what they do. So we're going to find out more about that. We have Garrett Brown and Colin Coggins. They are adjunct professors at uh, USC, and they have written a new book called The Unsold Mindset. So we're going to have to dig into the, the title too, you guys. So uh, The Unsold Mindset. Okay, so so let's start. So if you would, just give us a little bit of your background and how you guys got into this whole bit about sales. Yeah, I can go first. We, this is Colin. Um, <clears throat> Garrett and I came from really untraditional backgrounds when it came to sales. Garrett started off as a lawyer. Um, I started off wanting to be in PR and communications and actually really like despising sales as a profession, thinking it was yucky. Um, and through, you know, through interesting uh, career trajectory and choices that we've made, we ended up in this sales profession where we've sort of had every title that sales leadership has to offer. Um, but we've always approached it as the opposite of what most people thought a great sales leader was supposed to look at the system like. And so I was at a company <clears throat> and it got acquired and it was an entertainment company. Um, and we were doing CMSs and apps and software for like the Dallas Mavericks and uh, Puff Daddy. Like it was a really great job. And this recruiter calls me and he's like, hey, I know you think the entertainment industry is sexy, but do you want to know what's really sexy? I said, what? He said, software security. And I go in this room and I meet Garrett, who was the first, you know, uh, the, the first non-technical employee at Bidium, this company. And we fell in love. Like in the first, you know, two hours of us talking of what was supposed to be a 30 minute conversation, we were saying the same things, but coming from different perspectives, we were saying that the greatest salespeople on the planet weren't the most uh, gregarious and they weren't uh, the, the most extroverted and they weren't the most self-confident, but they were the most self-aware person in the room, right? These people were able to say something, realize it didn't land and course correct real time. They, these people were talking to people and the customer thought that they weren't listening, they were waiting to speak and they knew that and they were able to change. And there, were, there was all of these, these conversations happening at once and we looked at each other and we we're like, look, if we're gonna do this, like let's do it our way. Because we were unsold on what you know we had to look like in order to be a successful tech sales team. And that company went on to get acquired by Google um, and we were really proud of it. And academia came and they were like, hey, like why, why are you guys good at this? Like, what are you doing? It feels more palatable than what we've seen, which is a really funny word. And um, we ended up doing a bunch of guest lectures and found a home at USC, which was amazing. And it has been amazing. And we teach the only sales mindset for entrepreneurs class um, in all of higher education. 
and the, the class became really popular. And then uh, the publishers came and we signed with HarperCollins and wrote a book that we wish we had read when we were college students or professionals or entrepreneurs. That was a long tangent, Garrett. You got to cut me off five <laughs> minutes ago, my friend. So, so Garrett, um, <laughs> your side of the story. You teed him right up. No, he he did a beautiful job of summarizing what we've done. And, and we've been, it, it's just been this really fun ride really since since the acquisition by Google, starting this class, which, which we've been teaching for five years now. And the only thing he missed is that we also now find ourselves on stages all across the country and the world talking about sales mindset. And usually those conversations are not with groups of salespeople. It's executives, it's professionals, it's people who realize that, yes, I need to sell every day to get more clients, to convince my clients and customers to do things, to convince my spouse or my children to do things, whatever that whatever their their daily selling involves we're in front of those people talking to them about why they can be great salespeople just by being themselves versus being a version of the stereotype that they have in their heads so so what i love about this is, so years ago i read a book called um your marketing sucks mm. uh, that's the title of the book it's a great book very first chapter it says there are some people that just should not do sales and marketing like accountants <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going, yeah, can't really disagree with that because, you know, accountants, you know, the definition of an outgoing accountant is somebody who looks, is one who looks at your shoes when they're talking to you instead of looking <laughs> at their own shoes. So we're not exactly known for, you know, our abusive uh, personalities. We're not known for being the most outgoing. So, so the idea that you can be good at sales without being salesy or out being, without being an extrovert, without... Mm -hmm. You know, you can you you don't have to be um, Colin and you know it, you know dressed just like you know he's out there with the rappers. Um, you can actually be somebody like me, you know, like an like an accountant who who can do this. So why do you think that the best sellers are almost always not professional salespeople? Yeah, well, we, we would we would disagree necessarily that they're that they are the best sellers. But let, let's let me answer the question that I think you're asking, which is why is the stereotype there, and why when we go into a building are or why why when somebody sells to us is it usually an extrovert who has all the answers and that sort of well, thing? I just love this. So answer the question you want to be asked. Don't answer the question. So well, you well, I, I I can answer the question you asked, but but I disagree <laughs> with the way it was asked. Like you said, right. why are introverts? Why are good salespeople extroverts? And they 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 really aren't. And we can talk about why that is. But the reason that most of the salespeople that you see are extroverts, we think is a lot of it is, is self-selection. Because this stereotype is so deeply ingrained in who we are, we see it in movies and we see it on TV shows and we see it with the people that we interact with. There's a lot of self-selection. There's a lot of people who are introverts or who are who you know aren't excited about going out and, and selling somebody or you know, they, they have something in their mind that, that makes them feel icky about that. They say, you know what, I'm just not going to do that sort of activity. That's not who I am. But when Colin and I go into rooms and when we work with companies and we work with individuals and we talk to them about selling, we often see that the best salesperson in the room is an introvert. And the reason for that is that there's a bunch of reasons for it. And, and we write a lot about it. But a lot of it is that an introvert, you know, we we give them permission to sell us because they're not the stereotype, because they're it's harder to earn their laugh or earn their respect. They're just being themselves. And we, as the consumer or as the other person in this interaction, you know, we appreciate that because we realize, oh, this is not what I expected. This is not who I expected them to be. They're, they're obviously not putting one over on me because they're being themselves. I want to now see, I want to learn more. I want to hear more. 
And Colin, what would you say to that? Garrett's absolutely wrong. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I would say that, especially for this audience, I see myself in this audience more than most audiences because my superpower has always been that people expect me to be somebody that I'm actually not. And, and so for me, I, I'm just, I've always been very intentional about how can I make sure the person knows, like we have a lot more in common than you think. And the minute that someone sees themselves in you is the minute that that adversarial relationship stops. But that's also the minute that you start asking questions that you really want to know the answers to. That's when you start creating agency in your customers because you're asking questions that they never heard before. So they're ideating for the first time in real time on these answers, that they're taking ownership in the answers. They're not being sold. They're being bought. They feel like the part of the decision-making process. So, you know, when you, when you think about an introvert, like Chef Roy Choi told us, like he's the best salesperson in any room because he doesn't talk a lot. And when he does, people listen. That's amazing. There's not a lot of professions where people will give you permission to sell. I mean, the CEO and the introvert. And so we found that great introverts are just, great sellers and great leaders and not I, much more to add on that. I, I, I love it. So um, you're, you talk about, as, as I do, um, talking about putting your clients first. And it's about the prospects, it's about the customer. Um, I, I actually, when, when I go up on stage in front of 2000 people, uh, people ask me, say, how are you not nervous? And I said, it has nothing to do with me. It's not about me, it's about the audience. And as long as it's about the audience, what, what do I have to be afraid of? Because we're, our fear is fear of rejection. And I think a lot of that fear of rejection comes into people, uh, especially accountants being afraid to sell because they're going, wait a minute. You know, I don't like salespeople. Therefore, my prospects or my clients won't like salespeople. Therefore, I won't do it. Okay, so I'll just have a conversation with them. And most time, I'll just give away my services. That's what they do. Um, uh, David Sandler calls that spilling your candy in the lobby, which I, I love that idea. You know, don't, don't do that. Um, but at the same time you go, okay, so how do you get to the point where you're so client focused that it stops being a sale? And like you say, it becomes making it easier for them to buy you uh, to unpack a lot of what you said, Colin, you talked about giving them agency, meaning giving them a choice, I presume. And if you're giving them a choice and that's what you're doing, you're presenting an opportunity here and they have a choice. And if yeah. they have a choice, then that's good for them. Entrepreneurs, by the way, my experience over 40 years, entrepreneurs, all they want is to be told how they can do what they want to do. They want a choice. They never want to be told what not to do or what they have to do. So, I, I mean, how do, you, how do you get to that point where you're comfortable that, look, this is really about the client. This is not about me. I want, to, I want to give a PSA to this entire audience. You are salespeople. Everyone on the planet is either selling an idea, selling themselves, or selling a product or service. And if you think that word is yucky, you have two choices. You can be really bad at it, or you can redefine it. And we have talked to the greatest salespeople on the planet, and they look like you, and they sound like you, and they are logical and emotional. And they are introverted and extroverted. And they're really good at one thing, which is being way better at being themselves than most people. So, you know, what happens for people that think that selling is, is a yucky thing is when they get in a selling situation, they put on a persona of the person they think they're supposed to be. But that's not actually who we want. 
who who your customers expect you to be and who they hope you are aren't the same person. They might expect you to be really good and proficient and knowledgeable and have their best interests at heart, but they probably hope that you're like them, which is imperfect and flawed and trying to figure it out. And so sharing these pieces of you, I, I was, when I was engaged, I my fiance used to put, um, she used to put wedding planning meetings in between my meetings in my calendar. I was a good husband before I was even a husband. And she would, uh, hi, babe. And she would, she would, um, she would schedule these things and they might go over a minute or two and I'd have to hurry to a next meeting and I'd have to apologize. And I would say, Hey, look, I'm really sorry. My fiance takes wedding planning really seriously. It's coming up in three weeks. Today's topic was bougainvilleas versus tulips has nothing to do with you. I'm just saying, I'm sorry. And whenever I'd say that the person on the other end of the line would always say, Colin, don't worry about it. It's going to get way easier on your second marriage. (laughs) <laughs> that's a quote that, that I've heard. Or they'd say, Colin, don't worry about it. By the way, it's true. I, 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 it gets this is what I'm here on the second marriage. This is what I'm saying. Or they'll say, I've been married for 30 years, happy wife, happy life. The point is, is like, I decided to share a piece of me that most people think a salesperson should not share. And by sharing that, you immediately saw yourself in me. You started looking for the good in me. But that's not important. What's important is because you did that, I started looking for the good in you. And then that sale that you're talking about, when it starts transcending relationships and now you're in a vibe and you're optimistic enough to treat someone like you don't need something from them, like they've already bought from you, that's when you get to that place you were talking about. Okay, so so two questions. And uh, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna turn this towards you, Garrett, um, the recovering attorney. Um, hmm. And... and and the, the questions are, so so Paul says, first of all, you know, you, you, you try to be somebody you're not, which I find if I go to a restaurant, the waiters I really can't, I, I want to just run from are the ones that put on this phony mm. act, right? And I just love the ones that just are who are who they are. And so I, I know that. I mean, people love who you are. And by the way, I think we want to attract people who like us for who we are. I don't think we want to attract people that would want us to be some other way. I mean, I don't want to be around those people either. So, exactly. so, so, so that's part of it. So, the, but here's, here's the deeper question. Um, accounts were also not known for being introspective. It's, 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 it's really, I mean, I find as I, as I train accountants, we have 60 um, members in our CPA network, 60 firms in our network that um, as I get deeper, into the why do you do this? What's the why behind the why? That's that's something they've never done before. So mm-hmm. when you talk about being authentic, it you know it may seem easy if you're authentic to be you know if you're if that's how you're you're natural. But what about people that that's not? I mean, they have to actually come out of that and be themselves. What do you say to them? Come come out of what to be themselves. Out of what, whatever they, they they think they should be. The persona, I mean, sure. Remember, we're talking. I mean, you got to remember, we're talking to A students, right? And A students, you know, they've always been. It's about being right. It's about doing what the teacher asks to do. It's not about being yourself, right? Those are the C students. They're, they're the entrepreneurs. We're actually selling to the C students, right? Because they're the entrepreneurs. They're the successful entrepreneurs, the C students. And we're working for them because we're A students working for C students. But 
how do you how do you get to that point where you go okay i don't have to be that way so what do you tell people you know you know colin's saying you just be yourself be authentic uh be be comfortable with yourself well what if you're not yeah well the good news is we wrote an entire book on how to do exactly that but i'll give you uh, you know i think you talked about the fact something you said is really important you said they've never thought about the why behind the why Right. And a big part of kind of the the latter part of our book talks about how all of these great salespeople that we talked to while we were writing our book. And when I say salespeople, I'm talking about accountants and actors and lawyers and doctors and General Stanley McChrystal and rappers and everybody in between. We talked to everybody because everybody sells. And all of these greats in whatever industry or whatever they were in, whether they identified as a salesperson or a problem solver or whatever, however they reframed it, they always had a really clear sense of their purpose. Because what happens is, you know, most of us and, and the A students especially, we're goal oriented and we think, okay, goals are the way to get everything that we want out of our careers and out of our lives. And we set goals and we go after those goals. And that's great. And that's important. But there's, there's downsides to setting goals, especially big ones. Like what happens when you're not going to hit that goal? So you've got this, this goal to make X amount of dollars in a quarter or to, you know, whatever it might be, and you're going to fall short. That's when people start to really act unnaturally. And they start to look at, at selling as, okay, I, I have to get this new client in, or I have to convince them to do this because otherwise I'm not going to hit my goal. And that's when, that's when the unnaturalness starts. And the reason we found that all of these great sellers are so good at avoiding that and staying authentic and creating the infrastructure around them to be authentic is because they have taken the time to go out there and articulate and define their purpose so that their goals become, instead of being finish lines, because we all know that they're not really finish lines. Anytime you do hit a goal, what do you do? You just go out and set another one, right? You celebrate for a few minutes and, and set another one. So instead of being finish lines, these goals now become mile markers on the road to this bigger purpose that you may or may not ever reach, right? Um, and that was that was a really important finding for us. So now they're tying their goals to purpose as opposed to just being goal-oriented. They're saying, okay, I do want to make a million dollars this quarter and I want to do it because, and then they they kind of tie that back to their purpose to give themselves the longevity and the prolonged gratification of chasing that as opposed to the delayed gratification of just looking for a goal. So here's what I'm hearing. You you guys correct me if I'm wrong. I'm hearing that a lot of becoming a great salesperson is personal development. That it's actually knowing who you are, knowing what you want, knowing who your customer is, knowing what they want, and and simply making sure that you're matching up with the right people. Am, am I wrong about that? I would say you're absolutely right about that. We Students tell us every semester that they thought they were uh, signing up for a sales class and they ended up taking a life class. And we take that as a really high compliment. I think that is the highest compliment you guys can get, by the way. And by the way, I know you're adjuncts. And I was an adjunct at Arizona State University for 14 years. And I realize you guys get paid less than the custodial staff. So uh, <laughs> thank you, by the way, for doing this. Um, so so we started teaching when we could afford to do it for free. <laughs> there you go. Like, it, honestly, it, like that, that's, the money that's is a really, really bad idea. <laughs> it's a, it's actually like a really key concept of the book you know what you're good at what you get paid to do and what you love doing aren't always the same thing so when we did something that we were good at and we could afford to go and do what we loved we did it even if it was for free yeah let me ask you a question about that so how important do you think it is um that people are selling something that they actually care about I think it's less about the product that they care about and more about 
something that they care about. You know, we interviewed a woman who is like the number one refuse specialist seller like in the country, which means she's the number one seller of trash pickup. <laughs> that she's not that passionate about trash pickup, but she's really passionate about solving problems. You know, like that, like that, like she gets up in the morning early and goes to bed late at night for that. And tra- and refuse is actually like this really complex system for these large organizations. She's great at her job, but she'd be great at any job as long as she found something that she did love. So, yeah, you don't necessarily have to be a user of your product to be great at selling it, but you damn sure better believe in what it can do for the people that you're talking to. Because if you don't believe in that, then you're just you're just another one of the stereotype, you know? Right. And so, so I, I kind of brings me back to something you said, Colin. So I'm, I, I, I'll admit a little confusion here. So you said you don't have to buy your product, but if you wouldn't be willing to buy your product, how could you ever possibly sell your product? I said, you don't have to love your products, right? Oh. You, you have to, but you have to love something, right? Like I don't have to love trash, but well, I do. But, but, but if you love, if you love the idea of solving the trash problem, problem, you're selling exactly. the solution of the trash. You're not selling exactly, not exactly. Selling so, so your product is actually the solution, right? I mean, that is the product you're selling at that point. And sure, I mean that. But loving to solve problems is looking for an area in something that you're good at doing that you love doing. So, like. All of trash refuse like that this person has to do every single day. If you were to ask this person, which parts of your job do you love the most? Which parts of your job would you do for free? Solving problems would be one of them, right? As opposed to strategizing on product, for for instance, right? Would be would, would not be a part of that. And I think that's a I think that's a really important point you're making, Colin, that you're saying, okay, okay, so if I want to say what should I be selling? What part of your job would you do for free? I, I, I love that. I love so there's that. this concept in the book called intentional ignorance. We were finding that these amazing sellers and leaders were really good at ignoring parts of their job that they were not authentically passionate about. Caveat, like they were also really self-aware and everything else we just talked about. So they, they knew, right, the boundaries in which right. they could, and they knew the resources around them, but they, they were identifying what they would do for free so that they could identify what they don't love doing. And then they were creating coalitions around them where like essentially people were owning their dharma, right? Like I'm gonna do what I would do for free and I'm gonna hire the person that would do what what I would never do for free. It's like I tell people, you don't want me preparing your tax return because I don't want to do it. I'm not very good at it. And uh, I'm a 40 years in the tax profession. And they go, how'd you do that? I said, uh, I let other people do that. Okay. They're really good at it. They love it. Okay. And I'm really good at the advisory services. I'm really good at that. And so that, then they didn't want to do that. So, you know, like, like you say, you know, you do what, do what you love doing and let somebody else do it because somebody else is going to love doing it. That's, I, I think that's the great thing is that, you know, when you get the, this whole idea of, you know, uh, Robert Kiyosaki says that business is a team sport and uh, you, you know, don't do it on your own. And the, one of the challenges we have as CPAs, I think, is that we tend to think that if you're going to get it done right, you have to do it yourself, which I, I, I always think if you're going to get it done right, you need to do what you what you're really want to do and you let somebody else do it who's going to do it better than you do. Um, but let me ask well you, said. 
let, let me ask you this, Garrett. So um, if you're talking to CPAs and you're going, okay, here's two or three things that you could do to just kind of get you started because we know, A, this is uncomfortable for you. The, the cell is a four letter word to you. We get it. Okay. So you've somehow your, your book, and I would start with, you know, read the book, the unsold mindset, read the book, because what you want to do is you want to get, so it's not a four letter word, right? So, so once you, you know, you're trying to get to that, it's not a four letter word. It's something I can do. It's okay to be myself. What are like two or three steps that somebody could take? Yeah, well, let, let's assume that the first thing they've done is admitted that what they do is sell. So we, we're we all on the same page now. I must, I have to sell. I'm selling my clients. Well, that either. would be step one. Is step admit, one, right? Admit. Realize I, I, yeah. I need to get new clients, so I'm selling. I need to convince my clients to take certain actions, so I'm selling. Whatever the case may be, we sell. I think the first thing I would do is, is a lot related to what Colin just said about intentional ignorance and finding a way to create an infrastructure around you to give yourself permission to not do the parts of selling or even the rest of your job that you don't authentically love to do. Now, in any profession, and, and accounting is definitely one of them, there are certain things that you absolutely have to do, right? The basics, the XYZs, if you don't know about those things, people are not going to trust or respect you and, and you have to know those to do your job. Once you know those though, what are the things that you can give yourself permission to not necessarily have to do? Is there somebody in your organization that can help do some of the selling things that you don't like to do? Or if, if you're a solo practitioner, is there a former customer who would be who loves your work so much that you can refer people to that person to let them talk about how great you are if you're uncomfortable with that? Whatever that means to you or and whatever opportunities are available to you, take some time to like go, go in and think about how can I set this up around me? What are things that A, I can ignore or, or do less of? And B, how? Who, who, what resources do I have available to me to let me do that. I think I think that's where I would start. Okay, and then uh, Colin, where would you go from there? Listen, I think that as woo-woo as this sounds, the only fix to this problem is a mindset conversation. So, you know, for this, for your demographic, like I don't, I don't know what that means to you, but I know what it means to me, which is it's not about what you're going to do that's going to shift you know, you to being some successful seller. It's going to be what you think. So think about, for instance, like ask yourself really hard questions like, who's the greatest salesperson that you know? Because that immediately will put you in the mindset of, well, that person's not horrible and yucky and manipulative. We ask, listen, we, we do keynotes every month. Thousands of people have answered this question. What do you think of when you hear the word salesperson? And they all say the same thing, yucky, manipulative, smarmy, pushy. But then we ask him, who's the greatest salesperson you can think of? And the top two answers have been Steve Jobs and Martin Luther King Jr. Then people talk about their parents. Then people talk about their kids. So like when you start, or then people talk about the CEO of like the, the ice cream shop in rural Iowa. So there's a lot of things that you can do, but if I'm giving you one, it's start to think about what you're thinking about. No, I love it. I, I, I think you're spot on. I, I think it is completely shifting how we think. And I love, Garrett, what you're saying, because, I mean, um, I used to be the only salesperson in my organization. And I'm actually pretty good at it. And I like it. I, I, I enjoy it because I enjoy talking to the clients. I enjoy finding out about them. I enjoy, you know, that that part of sales. 
Um, what I found is, is that, yeah, but I don't enjoy going through the details and how's this going to work and all this kind of stuff. So I actually offload that. So even if I have a conversation with somebody now, which I rarely do, because that's not my job anymore. Um, but even if I do have that conversation, I will find and say, okay, so let me turn it over to Brad, who's the, uh, our sales director, said he will tell you how this all works. And then he can go through and he can do that closing. So I, I love that idea that, you know what? We're always selling, but we don't have to be doing every aspect of sales. Did I get that right, Garrett? That's exactly right. I, I, I love it. So um, again, the book is The Unsold Mindset. And the, you know I love the concept. It's a change in mindset. First of all, just recognize that we're all selling all the time, whether we like it or not. Um, sometimes we're losing that sale and sometimes we're winning that sale. Um, but uh, if, if we can't hide from it. And so why not just be comfortable with it? Just learn to be ourselves, learn to be um, who we want to be rather than who we think other people want us to be. And when we do that personal development, I love that that's where, what your course brings out um, in your students. Uh, when we do that personal development, then what happens is we have, end up with better clients because we end up with those clients that actually do want us. They don't want something that's not us. Um, we end up with a better practice and then in the end, you end up with a better life. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to the WealthAbility for CPA show. Better clients, better practice, better life. To learn more, go to WealthAbility.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank <laughs> you.